0: Welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. You know, I've always been curious. I don't know why, I just know that I am. I'm a writer and a teacher and a storyteller, and my job is to be curious, to ask questions, and to share the answers. This program explores my belief that why that simple three-letter question is the most powerful question that any human has ever asked every time we ask it, we challenge ignorance and the status quo. This, I believe. Curiosity leads to discovery. Discovery leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding, something that, let's face it, seems to be in short supply these days. So thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the program. Many years ago, I think it was 2008, I attended a photo workshop in Jackson, Wyoming, called Photography at the Summit. This was heady stuff. The seminar leaders were among the best nature and wildlife photographers in the world, including such people as Tom Mangelson, Dave Black, Jack Dykinga, and Jay Mazel. You may not know those names, but I guarantee that you know their work. Tom Mangelson is the guy who took the famous photograph of the salmon jumping right into the bear's mouth that everybody knows. Dave Black pioneered the concept of light painting. Jack Tikinga is a Pulitzer Prize-winning shooter whose large-format images of the southwestern desert will make anybody cry. And Jay Mazel is the most famous street photographer on the planet. Even Chris Johns was there at the time, the editor-in-chief of National Geographic. The workshop participants were equally impressive. I'm still in touch with a lot of them, all of them extraordinary shooters in their own right, including none other than Tipper Gore, who sat right behind me in the workshop. Great photographer. One of the people I met in that workshop was a guy named Steve Slack. Steve's one of those nonlinear people that I like to get to know. While he was a gifted wildlife photographer, we met numerous times over the years since the workshop in Los Angeles to photograph birds whenever I was out there working. His day job, as they say, was as a homicide scene documentary photographer. Gruesome stuff. But he was also a novelist, and get this, a professional magician. Because of Steve, I learned about this crazy place in L.A. called the Magic Castle. Now, most people have never heard of it. I certainly hadn't, but I'm glad I did. Now, what a great story this is. In the late 1920s, William Larson was a successful criminal attorney in Pasadena, California. And while he was very good at his job and he loved the law, what he really loved was magic. In 1936, he and his wife published an independent magazine about magic called Genie, the Conjurer's Magazine. It became highly respected in the field, and he decided to give up the law and become a full-time professional publisher and magician. In 1951, Larson announced the formation of the Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences. Its goal was to be an organization whose purpose was to advance the art of magic in America and to bring recognition to the magicians of the world. Now, Larson died two years later in 1953, and over time, the Academy slowly faded away. But in 1961, his youngest son, Milt, who was a writer for television, had an idea From his office window in Los Angeles, he could see an old rambling mansion that had been built in 1908 by a wealthy banker and was now basically abandoned. He thought it would make a great clubhouse for magicians. So he met with the owner and convinced him that his idea was a good one. His grandfather was a master carpenter, so they set out to turn this rambling old mansion into what would ultimately become the Magic Castle and the home of the soon-to-be-resurrected Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences. The castle opened its doors in January of 1963. Membership is exclusive. To join, you must be a practicing magician, and you must audition before a pretty rigorous board. Guests are allowed as long as they are accompanied by a member, which is how I came to know about the place. Steve is a member, as are Penn & Teller, Chris Angel, Harry Anderson, David Copperfield. This place is serious business. But this episode isn't about the Magic Castle or the Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences. It's about the hotel next door. Now, I know you're wondering where in the world I'm going with this, but stay tuned. We'll get there. In my work with companies, large and small, one of the topics I talk about a lot and even do workshops about is the challenging art of delivering on the promise of an exceptional customer experience in a world where competition makes it almost impossible To uniquely differentiate a product or a service, the only way to rise above the competitive noise is by offering the customer an experience when they engage with you that they will talk about for a long time and tell everybody about. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to share the stage at an event with a senior executive at the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain. Her job? Create a culture inside the company that makes customer experience everybody's number one goal. During that event, she told the story of a family that was staying at a Ritz property for the week, mom, dad, little boy, about four years old. On Friday morning, the day the family was checking out to go home, the father came down to the front desk to tell them that their son had lost Jeffrey, his stuffed giraffe. Now, you know as well as I do that at four years old, that stuffed animal is your entire universe, and the boy was really distraught. The desk person told the father that it was probably wrapped up in the linens somewhere down in the laundry, and they'd eventually find it. Well, they did, but it was much later in the day, long after the family had left to go to the airport. A security guard on his rounds was walking through the laundry area and saw the toys sitting on a shelf above the dryers freshly laundered. So first he called the front desk to tell them that the toy was in good hands and could be returned to the little boy. But first, the security guard did what the Ritz is famous for. He took the giraffe out to the pool and put it on a lounge chair and took a picture. Then he took it into the spa, placed it on a massage table, and put a washcloth over it. Then he brought over one of the massage therapists to give Jeffrey a massage while he took a picture. From there, he went down to the restaurant where a young couple was being served a sumptuous meal. He explained what he wanted to do, and they laughed and backed away from the table. He put Jeffrey in front of one of the plates of food and took a picture. He printed the pictures, stuck them in an envelope with a handwritten letter to the little boy that said, I hope you weren't worried when I didn't go home with you. But as you can see from the pictures I've included, I was having so much fun at the Ritz-Carlton that I decided to stay a few extra days, but I'll be home soon. Love, Jeffrey. The guard sent the envelope with the letter and pictures to the little boy, and two days later, he put Jeffrey in a box and mailed him home. Do you think those people will ever stay in anything other than a Ritz-Carlton for the rest of their lives? But here's the deal, folks. You don't have to be the Ritz-Carlton to deliver that kind of memorable service to customers. And that brings us back to the Magic Castle. The Magic Castle, an Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences, sits up on sort of a little hill. But next door, behind a scrubby sort of a hedge hidden from the road, is a little hotel called the Magic Castle Hotel. The place looks like it's right out of the 50s or the early 60s. It looks more like a motel than a hotel. It's painted bright yellow. It has 40 rooms, and it's two stories tall. There's not much to it. It does have one advantage, though. Remember when I told you that the only way to get into the Magic Castle to see one of their magic shows is by being a member or being a guest of a member? Well, I lied. There's one other way. If you're a guest at the Magic Castle Hotel, you can also get entry into the Magic Castle. Now, why am I telling you about this little hotel? If you read the reviews, you'll find that the rooms, while pretty big, they average about 500 square feet, well, they're also kind of, I don't know, boring. But the customer service? Anything but. When you check in, for example, every guest is handed a glass of sparkling lemonade to welcome them to the hotel and have a little toast. But it gets better. The Wi-Fi is free. The breakfast, which includes scones and croissants from the well-known Susina Bakery, is free. Postage for letters and postcards is free. Laundry service free. And DVD rentals from the hotel's well-stocked library are free, as is the microwave popcorn to go with the movie. And get this, the stuff in the mini bar is free. Guests just ask for whatever they want from a long list of items. And the hotel provides single-serving bags for free, and as many as you want. And by the way, the prices at this hotel are much, much lower than what you'd pay to go to a much fancier hotel. At night, beds are turned down and mints are provided for every pillow. When's the last time you saw that in a hotel? If a guest is celebrating a birthday, the hotel delivers a cake, free of course, Staff refuses to accept tips for services rendered. There's no room service, but if you stay three days or longer, the staff will deliver groceries to your room at no charge. Oh, and if you're traveling with an infant, the hotel provides an in-room crib at no extra charge. The crib comes with a full complement of Johnson & Johnson baby products and a rubber ducky. Now here's the best part. The hotel is built around a central courtyard with a pool that's open 24 hours. Mounted on the wall at poolside is a bright red telephone. That's the popsicle hotline. Kids can pick up the phone and it rings instantly at the front desk. In seconds, popsicles are delivered right to their hot, sticky hands. So what's my point here? Everybody talks about how important customer experience is, yet how often do we hear about truly memorable examples? Yeah, we all know about the Ritz-Carlton and the Four Seasons. We know about Disney and Wegmans and Zappos. And those companies are indeed impressive. They're world-class. But I want to point out that these are very large corporations. I expect them to have superior customer service. But you don't have to be a mega corporation to stand out from the competitive crowd. I mean, just look at this little hotel. They took the time to get to know their customers very well, asked them what they wanted in a hotel, and then made it happen. With a few simple additions, they became the signal that rises above the competitive noise. Popsicle hotline, free Oreos in the rooms, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode.